Hello, and welcome to the Take It in Stride podcast. I am your host, Adrienne Jezik. Today, I have a special guest with me, Emma Seeker. I've known Emma for quite a few years, and we were introduced to cold water immersion practice at about the same time. Now, if I pick it up, I'll just get it out later. And we were introduced to cold water immersion practice at about the same time. Um, Emma, why don't you tell me about your very first ice bath? Oh, okay. Um, My first ice bath was here in my home. Um, It was in the forge that my dad has, um, right on our balcony. And I didn't, he had been like asking me, kind of pushing me to try it uh, for a little while now. And I was like, yeah, maybe one day. Um, But I ended up actually getting in because... It was, I think, the next day I had my very first belt test in a martial art that I do called Krav Maga. Um, And I was really, really nervous about my belt test. And, like, I was just very anxious. I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be challenging physically, but also very, very challenging mentally. Um, Just because belt tests are very long and it takes a lot to get through, um... The, the hour, two hour, three hour, whatever, you know, belt you're testing for. Um, and I thought that it might be a good time for me to get in the ice, to try it, to try and control my breath, um, and just challenge myself in that way, um, right before, uh, my belt test. So I think it was the day before, um, my first one. And I remember like just kind of standing outside the forge and being like, oh, this is going to suck. And then I kind of said to myself, no matter how bad this is, it's not going to be as bad as my belt test. And then I just got right in. (laughs) (laughs) I just literally jumped in. (laughs) Um, I don't remember how long I was in there for, but um, my dad was right there with me. He was just like timing me, kind of coaching me through, just kind of sitting there, like making sure that I was fine. Um, I must have been in like all around a minute. Um, And I got out and it felt great. Um, you know, it was in the middle of August, so, like, I got out, you know, and it was 112 degrees outside, but it felt amazing. Um, yeah, and then I just kind of kept up with it after that. Um, I actually stopped for a little bit, um, but then once I moved in with my dad here, then I started picking it up a bit more. It helps when you have access, right? Right. Because the biggest issue for many people is just getting access to the cold. Exactly. And, I mean, people say, like, you know, you can just always go buy a bunch of ice and fill your bathtub, but nobody's going to do that. (laughs) Like nobody's going to go through all that work to. Well, and we're currently upstairs three stories. Yeah. And, um, whoa, there's a cat here. (laughs) There's never been a cat here before. And it's a black cat. So for a moment I gave Emma a very strange look because I was like, why is my cat here? That is so cool. Hello, Mr. Kitty. (laughs) Um, so yeah, you live right now you're living in an apartment that is three stories up. You don't want to haul 200 pounds of ice for an hour worth of ice baths. Absolutely. Right. So Mm -hmm. it helps to have a cold forge. It helps to have one that's ready and going 24 seven. Yeah. And it's access. Access is a big part of it. Now I didn't give a whole lot of introduction on who Emma is because Emma is a very multifaceted individual. 
I met Emma several years ago through her dad. Her dad is Tom Seeger. He is one of our business partners here with Marotsko Forge. And he's had a profound impact on my life, not just professionally, but also personally. And as a result of knowing Tom, of course, I know his daughter, Emma, and Emma has also had a profound effect on my life personally. And now over the last seven years that I have known Emma, I have watched her graduate high school, graduate college, do filmmaking, test into Krav Maga, and and now is is a Krav Maga instructor. So it's not just the cold that has been a huge change in your life. You've done a lot of big things. Yeah. Walk me through that. What got you into and what was your what was your intro to like, I'm gonna try Krav Maga. Let's see what this is like. Um, well I think it was like a lot of things kind of coming to a point sort of at one time or at least within a couple of months. Um, that kind of pushed me over the edge to like finally sign up for the first class. Um, but I had been thinking about it for a while. I'd always kind of like wanted to be like that cool, like badass girl that knows, you know, a martial art or whatever. Um, but like, I didn't really know, like, I didn't know what Krav Maga was. I was like, maybe I could do boxing. Maybe I could do karate. Like those were really the only two like fighting systems that I knew about. Um, but then I met a couple of people just like at ASU in college that had done Krav Maga, just like two people. Um, and they said that they had practiced like right here in Tempe and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And I like asked them about it. Like, what is it? And I, lo- I looked it up and I Googled it and like watched videos. So I was like pretty interested, like for several months before I actually signed up, which I feel like is pretty normal. Like normally you just sit on things before you actually do anything about it. Um, and then it was in the summer, it was, I think it was two summers ago, um, I actually went to Dallas and I lived in Dallas for eight weeks. Um, and it was the first time that I had been like living on my own and I'd like not been with a parent or I had family around like in the near vicinity, um, for an extended period of time. And so I felt like at that point, like that really would have been a good, like a good, um, time to know some sort of self-defense system, to know how to protect myself, you know, out and about on my own. Um, but it wasn't until I got back from Dallas, um, that fall that I actually did sign up for Krav. And I think it was like, I remember being like on Facebook or Twitter or something. And I saw an article about a girl who was doing like some kind of like photo shoot with some man, um, some like established photographer. And he ended up, um, like beating her pretty viciously. And I was like, literally in that moment like I read the article I opened a new tab and then signed up for Krav because wow I just never wanted that to happen it was that was just like the final thing that got me to like put the letters into the website that take me to the thing um and then I and then I went and I signed and I did my first class and I was like that was freaking great not at all what I expected um and I signed up and I've been doing it now a little over two years a little over two years and now you're also instructing yeah so um in june of this year um my chief instructor who's become a good friend of mine invited me to um do like take part in the instructor certification which is like a three-day 
um, certification process. It's just eight hours every day. Like it's like a weekend. Um, and at the end, if you pass, you can become an instructor at whatever school, um, you, you know, practice at. Um, but if you don't pass then you don't pass, but I did pass. Um, and now I just started teaching. And what has that been like for you teaching people through this martial art that you yourself discovered? It seems like on a whim, right? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel a lot of responsibility because I just know that people are coming here to learn how to be safe and like, and, and, and in some ways they're almost putting like their safety in my hands, um, which I like feel a lot of responsibility about. And, um, I know that there are people in my gym and I know that there are people like around the world who practice Krav Maga, women especially who start taking classes because of some like sort of traumatic experience that they have had and they don't ever want to have happen again. And so like, those are all things that you need to consider when you start teaching people how to defend themselves and like very intentionally putting them in uncomfortable situations so that they can learn, um, you have to consider like all those things that these people have been through, um, which is, which is a lot like just on the mind. And then there's like a whole other part of teaching Kamaga, um, that's just about like being a woman and teaching, um, especially given how, just how young I am like all of the instructors at my school right now are all brown or black belts in Krav Maga have been doing Krav for at least six years and um are all 35 or older and I'm 21 and I'm an orange belt which is like the third level and you know I'm a woman which there's a lot of you know aspects about that that can be troublesome because, you know, if you have like a six five, two hundred and thirty pound guy coming in to take Krav Maga maybe for the first time or maybe for like the fifth time or sixth time and, and he's had, you know, these black belt instructors before, but then he comes into my class and he sees like a little twenty year old, twenty one year old girl, you know, he might think, you know, what's this girl gonna teach me? Like she's not gonna be able to teach me how to defend myself. Like I'm so much bigger, stronger than her. Um, which is something that I have talked to the other female instructors about. Um, and they said that that has happened to them before. It's not like, I mean, it's rare, but you know, it's something to consider. So there's just like, I don't know, there's a lot of things that goes into being an instructor, um, that I just didn't really consider even while like I was heading into my certification. I was just more like nervous about, you know, letting my school down and like things like that. And then all these other things started to come up that I've been contemplating for the past couple weeks. Because you can't exactly teach social dynamics in that way. You can't, you can't necessarily teach how to read someone right. and what their fight or flight response is or yeah. what their um, emotional reasoning is behind taking a class like mm-hmm. this. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities there to coaching people through cold water immersion, which you have also done. And you do that in a different way. You do that in a way that's not like the Wim Hof method. That's not like Mm -hmm. the Morotsko method. You've developed your own way of coaching your team 
into the ice. Yeah. And so I'm certain that there are parallels between the way that you coach your classes and the way that you're coaching into the ice. Will you share some of that with me? Yeah, of course. Um, something that like I've kind of drawn a parallel to, um, with the way that I like to coach people through their first ice bath and also with Krav, um, is like kind of like Batman. Cause if you remember, in um the dark night like the the line is he's like the watchful protector like the silent protector like he's the dark knight um which i kind of like have kind of adopted that similar um kind of coaching style just in i'm kind of like the silent protector like i am there for the person um but i'm not going to try to intervene so much in their own th- thought processes and their own um, instinctual reactions and things like that more as just kind of like a guideline, um, like a silent presence. Um, yeah, I don't really know how else to put it, but that's something that I learned definitely from my dad. Cause he's a very similar way, especially like with my first couple ice baths, he was just like a very calming presence, very soothing voice, but didn't talk very much just there. And like, I knew, that it was up to me to get through, you know, the ice bath. Um, but that he was there for me just in case anything happened or, you know, if I needed him, I could say something. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different, but that's just, I think my natural kind of coaching style. And I definitely kind of picked that up a little bit in Krav as well. I like to, to let people, kind of figure it out on their own and use their instincts because Krav is rooted like one of the biggest principles of Krav is that it's rooted in our instinctual reactions to danger and I like people to kind of discover that on their own and discover what their instincts are and how to just tweak them slightly to get through whatever danger they're in or the cold. That sounds like a very empowering style of coaching. Yeah. You know, like you're there, you're back, you're in the background for support, you have guidance, you're giving some instruction, Mm -hmm. but you're very much empowering the person you're coaching to take on and lead the way. Yeah, absolutely. That's really incredible. I think that, I think that definitely there's, there are, there can be additional feedback towards young people Mm -hmm. who are training or teaching and young women training or teaching a martial art but I believe that your level of stoicism and that way of empowering people probably helps them break down those barriers pretty quickly right have you had a lot of feedback like that have you experienced that yourself or is that something you've just heard of or or are kind of also slightly anticipating um that's a good question not so much with Krav. I did just like start teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I had really good feedback from that first class. Um, and with the ice baths, you know, I've like most of the feedback that I've gotten from people that I've coached through ice baths is just like, Emma, you have a really calming voice. Like your voice is so soothing. And, and I like that they just associated like my presence being there with just being calm. Like, just, like, that alone is a very, I don't know, I, I, I take that as a compliment. Um, because I've coached, like, a couple people through now, and, like, I like watching them 
figure it out on their own and get through it. Um, but also being that like calming presence for them. Um, there is, there is something to receiving a compliment that's saying that you have a soothing voice because we don't hear our voices the way people around us hear our voices. So of course, you know, when we're recorded and then we listen to ourselves later, we're like, Oh wow. Yeah. (laughs) Not bad. Huh? And, and many people have told me since starting this podcast, Adrian, you have such a soothing voice. Yeah. And that surprises me because I tend to be a very loud, very abrupt, very aggressive style of speaker. (laughs) And so it's funny to me when I hear that, but it is a really nice compliment. Yeah. Have you noticed physical changes since developing your cold water immersion practice? Um, well, my cold water immersion practice and my Krav Maga practice definitely went hand in hand. Um, and since both of those things really kind of kicked into gear, um, yes, I've noticed big, big changes. Um, I don't really, I don't pay attention (laughs) I mean, this is not, I mean, it's not bad to say, but I definitely am not one to monitor my own physical, um, I don't know, just being so tight as others or so strictly. Um, I don't like weigh myself every day. Um, I make sure that I'm healthy, but you know, I'm not counting calories. I'm not, you know, so strictly watching what I eat. Um, but just like noticing, especially, like muscle definition, um, energy levels. Um, my skin also has done like had huge impact. Um, just like little things like that slowly over like the course of like this past year. Um, yeah, big difference, big, big difference. I'm definitely in the best shape of like that. I have been since I was doing like sports every day in high school. That's incredible. Yeah. And how often would you say on average right now you're practicing your cold water immersion? How many days a week? Um, on average, like throughout, I don't know, say like just a month, I would say like once a week. Once a week. Mm-hmm. And then how long do you stay in when you do your practice? I stay in, I try to stay in at least four minutes. Okay. Um, so four to five minutes. Although I like to... I usually will do it like by songs because I like to listen to music while I do it. Um, and usually it'll be like, I don't know, three, four songs, something around there. So it could actually even be longer than four or five minutes. Yeah. At sometimes times. it feels like, yeah, I'm in yeah. there for like three or four songs. And what's your process when you get out of the ice? Like, how do you feel? What do you do? Um, I don't know. I take a deep breath. I wrap myself up in a towel, depending on, you know, like sometimes I'll do it in the morning and I've got to get, I've got to get going. So I get right, like, you know, in the shower and I get changed and I head out. Um, but sometimes I just kind of like to chill outside. If it's super hot out, I'll just kind of let my body kind of go back to normal, get back to that normal temperature and just kind of breathe and relax. Um, and let my body just kind of warm itself up again. Um, and yeah. Do you ever struggle warming up after a nice bath? Um, that depends on how hard I push myself in the ice bath. Cause there definitely are different degrees of challenge that you can push in the ice bath. Um, 
I like to stay in longer, so I'll usually will either like tuck my fingers under my armpits or um, just like leave them out of the ice bath or my toes out, um, which allows me to just kind of chill literally in the ice bath for like a longer period of time. If I did like put my toes in or my fingers in, then warming up after it definitely is is harder. It almost feels like um, you're kind of starting from day one like you just did your first ice bath all over again that was my next question as I was going to ask if you've been putting your hands in lately Mm -hmm. because the last time we did a plunge together I was like put your hands in put your hands in and you did a very long plunge you were in for over five minutes that day yeah but I was still kind of pushy pushing you to put your hands in yeah and um I was curious if you'd been continuing that practice yeah, warming up after that was definitely very, very different experience than it usually is. Um, and yeah, it's funny. I started doing ice baths with my hands in. And then I just slowly kind of like started to leave them out. Just kind of like in a prayer position or like with my hands just like clasped right like under my chin. Um, and now I've gotten, I've like slowly started to bring them back um, under the ice. I think it's really interesting that no matter how long or how often you practice or no matter how strong your practice is, there are always ways to improve the practice. Right. And so the last time we were together and we were plunging, we were doing head dunks. Right. Yeah. Because that was a new, you know, I mean, Justin Hoagland, you guys have to check this guy out. He's so amazing. He's, um, he's a former Navy SEAL and he's on Instagram at no joke. 111 I think it is I'll have to get that information later but he will do two minutes in an ice bath and then he will roll over and face first dunk his head hold his breath for another two minutes in the ice bath now kids don't try this at home I'm not kidding this these are one of the ways that you evolve a practice you don't start the practice this way this is the evolution of a practice. So everyone has a different level of practice. And just because you have experience or just because you've been practicing for a while, excuse me, does not mean that you're ready for that level of practice. Yeah. It still can come with a lot of training, but we were definitely, I, I've been inspired by Justin's head dunking. So at the very least at the end of my ice bath, I dunk my head under and then I get out and I may hold my breath for about 10 to 15 seconds under the water, Mm -hmm. but that's about the max that I do. And I have not noticed any more difficulty in, um, warming up afterwards, but I have noticed a stronger mood boost. Oh yeah. When I dunk my head, right? Like something about dunking your head. And I don't know if that's because I'm feeling more empowered. Like, oh, I am a badass just like Justin Hoagland is. And, you know, so I dunked my head and that's what makes me feel good. Or if it really is submerging my head underwater, that also also makes me feel balanced. Mm -hmm. Right. So everything else got cold. Now the head gets cold, too. Yeah. But I've also only ever. And this is since I was like in my teen years, only ever washed my hair with cold water. Mm. So whether it's Arizona summer, which is really hot, cold water, uh, or Arizona winter or other winter otherwise, I have only ever washed my hair, my head, my shampoo conditioner with mm-hmm. cold water. Yeah. So I really have a beautiful relationship 
with putting my scalp under cold water and that feels really good. Yeah. Not to mention the things that it's done for my scalp condition and my hair. That's been a really nice positive impact is to see the way the skin is just improving Mm -hmm. as a result of this cold water immersion. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any emotional benefits of your cold water immersion practice? Um, yes. Just like, kind of in the same train of thought that we were just talking about with the head, um, dunking your head. Definitely. I definitely relate to the strong, it's almost like a whole other adrenaline rush and definitely something about like getting your hair wet and like your eyes and your mouth, like all of that. Um, just right when I get out, it's like a whole different experience in terms of energy levels. Um, which is something, yeah, that I also just discovered about dunking my head. It's awesome. Um, but in general with ice baths, yes. I The connection to breathing and breath is like something that I never really was able to experience before. You know, I did yoga. Uh, my mom is like a yoga teacher. I tried meditating. And so that like connection to your breath and that mindful breathing is something that I have tried several times in the past, but I wasn't really able to fully grasp just really letting go of like all thoughts and just focusing on the breath until I got in the ice bath. Um, and I think I just needed that, like just needed to be surrounded by ice and just so cold that I literally couldn't, like I physically wasn't able to do anything else but just like just breathe you can't think about you know what do I got going on today you know or shit like that um when you're just that cold um the I think the most like that the ice bath most impact that the ice bath has had on me um in my experience with it was for my certification I did one every single day right before I went and did my certification just because like I was so nervous. It was one of the most, like I knew it was going to be one of the most challenging things that I had ever done. Um, and definitely the most, one of the most anxiety inducing. And so I would just hop right in the ice bath right before and it helped with my muscles, but it also helped just with my state of mind and going in and walking into the gym. Um, I was able to just relax a little more um, calm down, focus on my breath and kind of just let thoughts of the future or the past go and just kind of remain in the present. Um, so definitely. definitely That is one of the most powerful tools of the ice that I've discovered are those emotional benefits, that ability to remain Mm -hmm. in the present. And for the most part, since developing a regular practice, I have been able to recall that right. instead of becoming emotional, dis- emotionally dysregulated through anxiety, through fear, through depression, through, through just any type of those emotions that we typical, typically feel we, like we don't have control over. Yeah. I all of a sudden have felt like I have this ability to take a pause before I react. Mm-hmm. Now I say that and literally last Friday I lost my shit. <laughs> So there are still things, there are still, there are still areas where I could use some work, but in the meantime, 
that type of experience for me emotionally is few, far between and very unexpected. Right. It surprised me. It surprised me that I still even had it in me to react that way without pause. Right. And it also reminded me that this is a practice, mm-hmm. whether it's Absolutely. cold water immersion, whether it's Krav Maga, whether it's breath work, whether it's meditation, whether it's emotional regulation, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. We're just practicing. Right. We are all here practicing. Right. And I think that there's a great benefit in not measuring our practice to those around us. So Justin is dunking his head, which makes me want to dunk my head, but I'm not going to try and go for two minutes like Justin does. It's not a competition. It's an inspiration. Right. Exactly. So I'm inspired by him. And so I'm going to continue to do that, but I'm not competing against him. And I'm also not competing against myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something else to remember too, because you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you had the longest ice bath you ever did. And it was really great and blah, 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 blah. And today, for whatever reason, you cannot get past three minutes. Well, it doesn't mean you shame your ice bath practice. Doesn't mean, oh, you were doing so good. And now you're not doing so good. No, we're practicing. Yeah. And every day looks different. Right. And I think that's part of cold water immersion is understanding that all we're here to do is practice and be present. Right. And I think there's a lot to also that level of presence not thinking about the future not thinking about the past only being in the moment right I think that like with practice like that it goes a lot um it happens a lot with me in stages so like um if I'm freaking out and I'm having really bad anxiety um about whatever um I'll usually just be like, okay, I'm going to go hop in the ice. And that just brings me back to a normal base level, um, like an operational level. Or it could be, okay, I need to go to Croft. Like, I got to go kick them, kick some things. And, and that, again, will bring me back down to a base level. And eventually, I think, like, with me, at least, in my practice, is just working to, like, not so that I don't need those things, because I still want to do them, but just so that, if I'm freaking out and having bad anxiety, I don't need to go into the ice, but I just think about the state that I'm in when I'm in the ice. So I think about the state when I'm in, when I'm in Krav. So I'm not, okay, I need to go get in the ice or I need to go to Krav, but I can just bring myself back to that operational like base level without those things. Like the memory of the experience right. is enough for you to activate it because yeah. you've been practicing. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. And it makes sense that you wouldn't, that just because you get better at that doesn't mean you want to give those things up because exactly. they're tools. Right. And I think that's another thing that's important for people to understand is that these are just tools. Mm-hmm. Getting into cold water, having a cold water immersion practice, having a physical regimen, having a mental regimen, having people that you speak with. These are all just different tools. Right. All things that should be part of our belts as we go throughout this process called life. Yeah. Right. Because things are hard sometimes. Yeah. And there are times that we don't get along with the people around us. And there are times that we don't get along with ourselves. And there Mm -hmm. are times that things are just more of a struggle. Yeah. And so I think it's important that we have this vast array of tools to help us through that process, whatever that process may be, whether it be emotional, mental, or physical. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any other, and I mean, your life, your life changes a lot frequently, especially since, you know, graduating college. But have you noticed any other parallels to picking up this type of practice as well as picking up a craw practice and the ways it's impacted your life outside of those two actions? 
Um, I would say yes, and one of the primary reasons that I can think of right now is the just kind of trying new things and jumping into things that I might completely fuck up or fail at. Um, not that you can really fail at getting in the ice, but it's definitely, it takes a lot to get in, um, especially that first time, but even every time for me is just like, you know, I have to take a minute or two or three and just kind of sit with the ice, um, and be like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not the kind of person that just jumps into things, um, head first and just goes for it or just tries new things willy nilly. Um, or takes risks. <laughs> I'm not a big <laughs> risk taker. So like getting in the ice is not, I feel like not something that my type of person would really gravitate towards. Cause I feel like it is a big risk just getting in. Um, so like just growing up, graduating college, like all of those things, um, like you kind of have to start to step outside of the box and like the ice bath and Krav and like making films, um, being creative, doing art. Those all are risks and they all take risks. Life is like just filled with that shit, just filled with risks. Um, so getting in the ice every single time is just a practice of me, um, just diving into something, just doing it, just saying fuck it and doing it. So we actually quoted you on last week's podcast because a couple of years ago you were working on a project in college and you were feeling a little overwhelmed and and your dad, Tom, shared this story with us that you were feeling a little overwhelmed and you weren't quite sure what path you were going to take and you looked at him and you said, well, I'm just going to go fuck shit up. (laughs) And we have used that line in our company so many times because... Yeah, it's failing forward. Yeah, we're all just here trying. But like sometimes if you can look at something you've never done and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to go screw it up. I'm going to go throw it up against the wall. I'm going to see what sticks. I'm going to see what I learn. I'm going to see what I don't learn. Yeah. That is taking a risk. Yeah. That must have been very uncomfortable for you at the time. Oh, yeah. Especially because it was before this new change of risk and, and, you know. Like a mindful, like, okay, I'm going to try this now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I feel like there is a larger amount how do I say this? There there are more people of your generation mm-hmm. that are risk adverse. Yeah. Because you have the results of risk plastered in your face everywhere you look. Yeah. So when kids that were my age at teenagers went to a skate park park to like learn how to ride a skateboard Mm -hmm. they might see a couple of people around them fall and fail right well now kids watch chive tv and they see 30 videos in 30 seconds of showing everyone failing and a lot of people get broken yeah so risk adverse in in the following generation i think has come quite intentionally Mm -hmm. you know just due to exposure yeah so i think it's okay to be risk adverse but i think it's really great to go out and just fuck shit up sometimes yeah is there a book that you've read that has helped you with this journey at all? Um, that's a good question. 
Um, the Courage to be Disliked is a really big one. It's one of my favorites. It's a great book. I read it in like three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I like still like find myself going back and just kind of flipping through because I feel like like powering through a book like that um like that's a lot of information and a lot of new things to take in at once so like flipping back through reviewing recalling applying new information applying new experience like I I'm constantly kind of going back to that book um one book that I'm reading right now that I really like is called The Gift of Fear. Um, it's more related to me and my craft practice because it's very based in like violent practices by people. Um, but one thing that I'm finding it's helping with is just me getting in touch with my intuition, which I feel like is something that I kind of like out of touch with in the past so getting back in touch with my intuition like through that book and my instincts and what my instincts are what my fight flight instincts my intuition was my gut telling me like all those things um so those two books in particular i think are, are were really good and the courage to be disliked this is a really good one it's it's kind of a setting of an old philosopher talking to a young philosopher mm-hmm. and the young philosopher is reaching out to the old philosopher and he's like but 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 wait but wait, wait, wait. what about this but wait about this and the older philosopher is so calm and cool and collected and every time the young philosopher comes back with more curiosity and further inquiry the older philosopher is like ah but You don't have to care this much. And I'm paraphrasing the entire book by saying that, but it's up to us how much we choose, how much energy we choose to put into what we're putting our emotions and our energy into. And I think that's part of what breathing through the cold teaches us Mm -hmm. is what am I choosing to put my energy into? And this is my choice. I don't have to be reactionary. Right. I can take a space between and pause Before I decide what my response to outside stimulus is going to be. Right. And The Courage to be Disliked is uh, by Ikaro Kishimi and Fumitaki Koga. Do you remember the author of The Gift of Fear? Yeah, it's Gavin DeBecker. Oh, perfect. It's an old book, but um, yeah, it's still very good. And you recently, with Krav Maga, also underwent a strict 30-day food regimen. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like that. And did you have a recipe that was like your go-to recipe during that time or one that you discovered during that time that maybe you still follow? Like, oh, this, this is the answer. When I'm on a strict eating plan, <laughs> this is the answer. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So the 30 day, it was a 30 day challenge. Um, and part of it was that you had to stick to a strict diet. Um, and I asked my dad to help me kind of come up with a diet um, and stick to it because, you know, I had tried, like, no sugar diet or, and, like, things like that before, but I didn't really stick to it. But, like, everybody in my gym was doing this, so it was it was easier to kind of, like, having that community helped with sticking to, like, an actual diet. Um, but going into it, I also had to work out for 60 minutes every single day. Um, and taking that in consideration with my diet meant that I really wanted to up my protein intake. And, um, 
I had been a vegetarian for, I want to say, like two and a half years before that. And this was just this past summer. Um, but I had been a vegetarian um, just for, like, ethical reasons, um, environmental reasons. Um, but for the challenge, I decided to start eating meat again. And I thought, like, that I just wanted to see what would happen. Like, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to eat meat again now for the rest of my life. Um, it was just like, all right, I'm just, today I'm going to eat meat and tomorrow I might also eat meat. And I just wanted to see what would happen in my body with my energy levels, um, like tone definition and, um, especially given how much I was going to be working out, um, with, um, with that. So I did start eating meat again and I cut out all seed oils, um, what are some grapeseed oil? Um, grapeseed oil, canola oil, canola sunflower oil, oil safflower oil. I yep. mean, there's so All many different shit. seed oils yeah. out there. And I keep promising you guys that we're going to do an episode on oils. And I absolutely, absolutely will. Yeah. Um, because there's there's a lot to it. People yeah. don't know you're not supposed to warm up olive oil. Oh. Oh. You're one of those people. <laughs> You're not supposed to warm up olive oil. Olive oil is meant to be consumed at room temperature. Right. Anytime it gets over 350 degrees, you change the structure. Yeah. And it becomes carcinogenic. Ugh. So if you want to cook with an oil, cook with avocado oil. Yeah. Or if you're cooking with something sweet, cook with coconut oil. Right. Cook with oils that are meant to be high temperature. Right. So you removed seed oils. Yeah. Um, the biggest change that I saw in that was my skin. Um. And that, that probably wasn't just like the seed oil, cutting out seed oils alone. Um, but I, cause I also cut out sugar and a lot of carbs. Um, but I saw a really big difference in my skin and in just like my muscle definition. Um, and other people made similar comments cause I, yeah, I feel like. No, like I barely hardly ever notice like changes in my body at the rate that other people do. Other people are looking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's way different. Cause people would be like, wow, you look really fill in the blank. It's glowy. It's skinny. is what I glowing. Yeah, yeah. Glowing is what I would use um, to describe you. The last few times I've seen you, it's yeah. just glowy. Um, and I'll just be like, what? <laughs> yeah, I can't, Cause when you look at yourself every day, it's different. When you someone see sees it. you like yeah. one time and then two weeks later sees you another time, you're, they're going to notice big, diff- big changes. Um, so yeah, people, people commented on my skin, my muscle definition. Um, I noticed changes in my energy levels for sure. Um, and yeah, I, since then I've, I have been less strict about it. It's different not having that kind of community because during the challenge we were like posting on Facebook every day, like this is what I ate today. This is what I did to work out. This is the book that I read, you know, um, what was the other part of the challenge? I I can't remember, but, um, oh, this is how many hours of sleep that I got. So like it was a whole bunch of things, uh, wrapped up into 30 days. Um, but since then I am still like, I still do eat meat occasionally. Um, like I don't, I'm not a hundred percent vegetarian, but I'm not a hundred percent a carnivore. I kind of like to go back and forth, especially if it's meat that, I don't know the source and I don't know, um, you know, who was the butcher that slayed this cow or whatever. Um, then I'll be a little more cautious to eat it. 
But if it's something that I know was grass-fed, homegrown, pasture-raised, like, free-range, um, then I, like, like I can eat um, eggs and meat. Did you notice any things. negative changes from reincorporating meat into your diet? No. Oh, wow. No, I didn't. And it sounds like it might be time for you to run a 30-day challenge. I know. I know. I need a... I can do that. You can totally do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to hear how that's going to go for you. <laughs> so did you have a favorite recipe that you learned during that time that you're still using? Or do you have a favorite go-to recipe for, you know, you're working out really hard, but you're taking care of yourself. You want to make sure that you're eating well. But sometimes, I mean, we get busy, right? Yeah. So it gets hard to take care of ourselves. Yeah. What's your go-to, easy to make, quick fix, um, throw a recipe together, still good for you? I, I discovered like a lot of different, not, not discovered, but like I kind of rediscovered a lot of different like snacky and like foods during that time. Cause like, I like mean, eggs, if you're, oh, I love eggs. Tell me how good eggs are. Emma. Eggs I haven't are had so eggs in four years. What? Yeah. I've been, al- no, six years. I've been allergic. I became allergic to eggs at 32. Oh my God. And I, I keep. It's usually about six months in between my tries of eggs because the reaction is so severe. But how easy is it to just whip up a batch of eggs? I do it all the time. All the time. It's so easy. It's so good for you. Yeah. Put some cheese on there, like some pepper. A little bit of meat if you want to. If not, no big deal. Throw an avocado on there, tomato and onion. Oh, my God. You guys, you can have eggs from your head down to your legs. I can't. So this week's recipe is uh, definitely egg-based. Don't care what it is. Don't care what you do with it. Make some eggs. Tell me how you made them. Describe yeah. them to me. Yeah. Describe that delicious <laughs> sensation of eggs as yeah. you're eating your delicious eggs. My And I never even had a favorite way to eat them. Just literally every way I every could eat way. them, yeah. I would eat them. Yeah. I also really like um, steel cut oats. Like a oh, lot of steel, steel cut, cut oats. oats with a little bit of honey, mm-hmm. some cinnamon, maybe some, like some almonds or like other nuts. And you can even add chia or flax to something yep. like that exactly. and really give it a boost for yep. you. Like, I don't believe, do you do any type of those protein powders? Yes. Tell me about that. What types of protein powders are you doing? I use whey protein. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Tom buys that. My dad buys a lot of our protein powder. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, every single day during that 30-day challenge, because I really needed to up my protein intake, I was having a protein shake. And I would throw peanut butter in there. Oh, my God, I love peanut butter. That's Mm -hmm. the other thing. During that challenge, I discovered peanut butter without peanut oil or any kind of peanut oil. It's just straight up peanuts. Peanuts, yeah. Just ingredients, peanuts. It's so fucking good. That's awesome. That peanut butter is delicious. So I would, like, make protein shakes with some like chocolate whey protein, some a bunch of peanut butter, like throw some milk in there, and then collagen is another thing that I started throwing into protein shakes. I didn't really know what collagen was about, but I started putting that in there. I'll bet that has something to do with the glowy skin too. Yep, absolutely. Because when we're eating these lean types of food regimens, we're not always getting the oils and the fats that sometimes our body needs. Exactly. And, you know, you can eat an avocado every day, but that's not always enough fat and oil. Yeah. You know, so it's important to still get the collagens and those proteins, those peptides for our cellular regeneration. Mm -hmm. Do you do any type of electrolyte drinks? No, that's something that I need to definitely in, um, boost the intake. Um, 
Especially after big workouts. I have a suggestion. Yeah. So I've, I've looked for electrolyte drinks, especially before Burning Man. I was like, I don't, I just don't want to become dehydrated. Yeah. And if I get sick or if I had a bad, have a bad food allergy, I get very dehydrated very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that I had some tools on hand in the middle of the desert Mm -hmm. just in case I got sick and needed to really rehydrate or, you know, case I overdid it in some other way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I have to always ingre- read every ingredient on the label. Yeah. Because I'm allergic to some very random things. And what I noticed with these electrolyte powders, excuse me, and these electrolyte drinks was the vast majority of ingredients ingredients I couldn't pronounce. Yeah. And if I can't pronounce it, odds are I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I never once found one that didn't have at least three to five of these ingredients. Mm-hmm. But what I did discover is that you can put in 40 ounces of water, you can put a quarter of a teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt in your water mm-hmm. and that will provide you with all the electrolytes you need. What? So you, if you have coffee or tea in the morning, specifically coffee, I know it works better with, but you can just add a literal dash to your coffee. It will reduce the acidity, it will enhance the flavors, and it will provide your first boost of electrolytes for the day. Wow. Then you can add your little quarter of a teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt mm-hmm. to your 40 ounces of water, whether you're using your Hydro Flask or, you know, gallon water jug, whatever. You can add that little quarter of a teaspoon to that water. It's not going to change the flavor of the water. It's not enough salt to make it taste salty, yeah. but it is enough to provide you all the powerful electrolytes that you could possibly need. Wow. So if you find that you need that extra boost, try and start doing with it, doing it with Himalayan sea salt. Yeah. Not only is it a lot cheaper than these electrolyte drinks. Yeah. It doesn't have any of the fake sweeteners that these do. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any of the dyes or additives that these do. And it's hydrating you and giving you electrolytes from a natural mineral source. Yeah. Not from chemicals in a man-made lab. Yeah. Man-made chemicals in a lab. So I encourage you to try that. And I really look forward to hearing what you think once you start trying that because I'm yeah. certain you've got some in your cabinet over there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to hear how that goes for you. So uh, this week's recipe, guys, eat your eggs. I'm not yeah. kidding. We've given you a couple of great book recommendations and I'll put those up later as well. I also want to encourage you to do a challenge. Emma, one of the things that you talked about for that is a little bit challenging for you is, are those risks of trying something new, of doing something you haven't done before. And that seems to come up a lot already on this podcast. So I want to encourage listeners to try something new this week. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is that you haven't done before. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a big, huge workout regimen. I highly recommend it's an ice bath if you haven't done that yet, but try something new. Maybe it's eating something different. Maybe it's making a new recipe. Maybe it's planning a meal with your kids, teaching them how to cook it. It doesn't matter what it is. Just try something new. And that's the takeaway that I'm going to leave you with. And um, you can find Emma and take one of her Krav Maga classes at East Valley Krav Maga. East Valley Krav Maga, and that's located in Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So go see Emma Seeger at EVKM at East Valley Krav Maga and take one of her super awesome Krav Maga classes. Maybe that's what you try as your challenge to just try something new this week. Go out and try a Krav Maga class. 
You guys can find me on Instagram at at Adrian underscore Jezik. You can email the Take It in Stride podcast with questions, comments, concerns, corrections at itakeitinstride at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Adrian Jezik, The Morotsko Method, or Morotsko Forge. Emma, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you, Adrian. All right. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. You guys have a great week. Stay cool.